to A Sparkling Vintage Life, where we talk about all things vintage and celebrate the grace and charm of an earlier era. I'm your host, Jennifer Leo, and it's May 20th, 2019 as I record this. This is episode number 14 of the podcast. I've just come back from a community choir rehearsal. I say choir when technically the particular group I sing with calls itself a chorale. I didn't know what the difference was, so I went to Webster's Dictionary, which defines a choir as an organized company of singers, a chorus as an organized company of singers, especially who sing the choral parts of a work such as an opera, and a chorale as a synonym for choir or chorus. Well, that's not very helpful, is it? Maybe some of you listeners who are better educated than I am on the fine points of musical terminology can clue me in. At any rate, I choose to call my group a choir in casual conversation because whenever I say chorale, meaning the musical group, some people think I'm saying chorale, the place where you ride horses, and all sorts of misunderstandings ensue. Anyway, My community choir is rehearsing a lot these days because we have a concert coming up in June. To be honest, I don't always like going to rehearsal. Often I resent having to make space for it in my schedule, and I have to drag myself to the practice venue, and only my highly developed sense of personal responsibility (laughs) spurs me on. Once I'm there, though, and once I've warmed up and I'm singing... My cares seem to melt away until the only thing I really care about is mastering that tricky passage that seems next to impossible or counting out the measure correctly. And when we do it right, when the conductor stops casting the evil eye toward my section and heaving deep sighs indicative of great pain and suffering, when he actually looks pleased, when all the parts come together It sounds glorious, and it feels great. I leave rehearsal tired in a different way. Physically tired, yes. Maybe mentally fatigued from all that counting. (laughs) But somehow buoyed up in my spirit. As it turns out, there are actual scientific reasons for this. An article posted at artistworks.com says that recent research bears this out. According to the article, which I'll link to in the show notes, humans bond best when we are making music with each other. Studies show that our physical health is improved by singing. Lower blood pressure, increased blood oxygen saturation, elevated immunity, higher pain threshold, stronger respiratory muscles, and even less stuttering. Singing and other forms of music making also produce measurable changes in the brain. When we sing, we breathe deeply, as we do in meditation, with the same good effects like improvements in mood, decrease of stress and depression and anxiety. These effects are even more enhanced in a group setting compared to singing alone. In other words, Singing alone is good. Singing with others is even better. Turns out humans like to have a sense of belonging to something bigger than ourselves, 
to be part of a larger community. We get that feeling when we sing in a group. And research shows that this deliberate synchronizing with others makes us feel more altruistic, more generous, more ethical, more helpful toward others, and more willing to respectfully listen to others' points of view. <laughs> this is starting to sound a lot like, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Extra points to those of you who are old enough to remember that iconic Coke commercial. No less than the noted author Daniel Pink writes, Exercise is one of the few activities in life that is indisputably good for us. Choral singing might be the new exercise. Pink goes on to cite the following, Choral singing calms the heart and boosts endorphin levels. It improves lung function. It increases pain thresholds and reduces the need for pain medication. Similar effects have been found in athletes who must synchronize efforts and use their sense of timing, like dancers and rowers. So, no wonder choir rehearsal makes me feel good. Well, most of the time. <laughs> but with all that good stuff coming out of singing together as a group, why has group singing seemed to mostly have fallen out of favor nowadays? For example, Lots of the older novels I like to read mention families gathering together around a piano to sing, just for fun, or people going caroling at Christmas, or singing folk songs on a hayride, or around a bonfire, maybe with somebody strumming a guitar, or maybe just a cappella, which means without a instrumental accompaniment. Workers used to sing together to make the long days pass more quickly. Thus, we have a whole treasury of folk songs centered around the railroad, the mine, the forest, the farm, even the prison yard. Maybe today's professions don't lend themselves to singing as much as professions of yore. <laughs> there are no software coding songs that I know of. Schools had songs. Sports teams had songs. Outside of singing the national anthem and maybe take me out to the ball game at the seventh inning stretch, or depending on your team, Sweet Caroline or Na Na Hey Hey, do sports fans ever sing anymore? And there was singing in the pubs and singing at parties. and Some writers have put forth theories of why we don't sing together anymore. One is that we've turned from a culture of participation into a culture of performance. We pay to watch professionals perform and keep our own mouths shut. A hundred years or more ago, people also paid to watch professionals perform. Singers like Enrico Caruso and Jenny Lind drew huge crowds. But listening to the pros did not stop people from also gathering around the piano at home any more than professional volleyball makes people stop wanting to play volleyball at a picnic. So why does it stop us now if it does stop it? Even some of our churches have given in to this nowadays, disbanding the traditional choir and sitting back to listen to the worship band perform instead of singing together as a congregation. 
The rise of streaming music also has a splintering of what we listen to. There's no common body of songs that everybody knows, like the top 40 of my youth, where whether you wanted to hear it or not, you did hear the top songs over and over until they were burned into your brain. I remember driving on a highway late one night with my brother and his wife and I think a friend or two. To pass the time, we sang as many pop songs as we could think of, the ones we liked and even the ones we hated, and we laughed and laughed. Today, with everybody tuned to their own individual downloads, I don't think people today have a common songbook like that, do they? It's hard to sing together if you don't all know the words. For whatever reason, group singing seems to have fallen out of favor. Members of community choirs like my own tend to be older, looking, as one wag put it, like a bunch of cotton swabs on stage with all that white hair. As these music lovers die out, who will take their place? My sense is that to the younger generation, singing as a group is nerdy and uncool. Oh, I know there's some fantastic high school choirs and college choirs, but what happens after graduation? Nobody gets together to sing. And that makes me sad. People who feel that way are missing out on all those great physical and mental health benefits mentioned earlier, and the sheer joy of learning new music or pulling out old favorites and singing them together. They're missing out, and that makes me sad. It makes me want to teach the world to sing and perfect harmony. (laughs) I'd like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company. (laughs) Why don't you try group singing sometime soon? Start small, maybe with your family in the car on a long trip. In church, open your mouth and actually sing the hymns with gusto. Don't sit back and let the worship band do all the heavy lifting. Maybe check if there's a community choir in your town. You don't have to be the best singer in the world as long as you can carry a tune and keep some rhythm. And I'll be back in a minute with today's Grace Note. Today's Grace Note is a book I've been enjoying called The Chilbury Ladies' Choir by Jennifer Ryan. It's very much in keeping with today's topic. It's historical fiction set in England during World War II. With most of the men away fighting in the war, it's decided that the choir of the local church in a small town should be disbanded. The women in the choir rebel at this and choose to carry on singing without the men, resurrecting themselves as the Chilbury Ladies' Choir. While most of the novel focuses on the individual stories of the women involved, the common bond of the choir sustains and encourages them during difficult times. If you like books like Lilac Girls and The Nightingale, this might be a good one for you. Unlike many novels set during wartime, this one is not depressing or gloomy, but more about courage and camaraderie. Of course, I'll put a link in the show notes, which can be found at sparklingvintagelife.com slash podcast. You can also leave a comment there. 
Or if you have a topic you'd like me to consider or a question you'd like answered on A Sparkling Vintage Life, feel free to send me an email at jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, at sparklingvintagelife.com. Also, if you can take a few minutes to stop by iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it is you get your podcasts and leave a star rating, or even better, a quick review, that will help raise the visibility of this show so that more gentle souls like you and I can find it. And that's it for today. Tune in again next week when we'll discuss another topic on a sparkling vintage life. Mm-hmm.